Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. With a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to to make make your Tuesday just right. I'm Olivia, an entrepreneur, content creator, and a friend to call if you need some encouragement. And I'm Lisa, a mom, an artist, and I'm not your average pastor's wife. Our mission is to bring you episodes every week that will inspire you, help you grow, and bring a smile to your face. Through renowned entrepreneurs and experts, social media personalities, and our super witty and cute banter. This podcast is for the girl who wants to learn about her health, has big dreams and knows that complacency is never an option. She also has time in her schedule for two new BFFs. Because there is one thing we are confident in. It's It's always better better when Salt and Pepper come come together. together. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper podcast. My name is Olivia and you've just got me today for the intro. Um, We had so much fun today with our guest Maya Um, And so we decided because the interview runs just a little bit long that we are going to bypass doing an intro today. But don't worry, we will be back with a solo episode this week from Lisa and then also another fun episode with Lisa and I next week. So if you're new here, just wanted to say welcome. Thank you so much for listening. And today we have a very exciting guest. Like I mentioned, Maya Monell is on the show and Maya is the co-founder and chief growth officer of Navit. It's a fitness app for your finances. So I was, you know, of course we asked so many questions that weren't as intelligent as Maya was, but basically Navit is this really cool app. I downloaded it. You've got to download it too. I'll put it in the show notes below. But it's kind of like Duolingo for your finances. So when you get on the app, they'll not just ask you questions about your money, but they'll also ask you questions about your mental health, how you feel about your money, how you feel about your money spending habits. And there's even like a community section of the app where you can interact with people. It's all anonymous too because, you know, I I think we all know that money stuff can be kind of hard to, to talk about. So you can interact with other people on the app anonymously and you guys can check in with each other about your spending habits and kind of keep each other accountable if you want that. All these different things. The app is so cool. It's unlike any budgeting app I've ever been on. I know for me, budgeting apps have always been hard, especially as a self-employed entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur listening to this, I know you feel the same. It's hard to budget when you don't really know exactly how much money is coming in every month, or maybe there's no money coming in because you're a startup, etc. So Navit just gives you so many options to be able to actually start budgeting and saving your money. And they do it in a really, I feel like non-judgmental, non-judgmental and um, helpful understanding way and they just really want to educate you and that's what we talk about on today's show. We talked to Maya about women taking control of their finances especially if maybe you are a woman who doesn't understand her finances or maybe your significant other your husband maybe he does the majority of the finances but today on the show Maya gives us a lot of tips about how we can take control of our finances and be an equal partner in all of those things and why that's important Um, and then we also talk about the person that just wants to learn how to budget and you know maybe not talking about investing all of this money into stocks but we're talking more base level about the girl who is just wanting to save money and budget for her future. So Maya just gives us so many helpful tips. So all in all, Maya's passion lies in changing the narrative around money to be inclusive, positive, and practical in its experience. And she co-founded Navit with her co-founder, Erin. And they are really shaking things up, no pun intended, the financial technology space, uh, fintech, which I didn't know what that was until we did this episode. Um, but she founded Navid in 2018, and it provides personalized financial coaching to create lasting behavioral change and financial habits through daily check-ins, insight, and community conversations, empower users to live financially well. So... I think that this conversation is much needed. I know we've never had a financial person on the show and Lisa and I, we don't know a lot, but we know some. And so to be able to have somebody here that we can bounce all all of our questions and ideas off of was super helpful. So we hope you guys get a lot out of the show. I also wanted to let you know before we dive into today's show, 
Uh, we had some audio problems. Lisa's mic decided it just did not want to record. So what you are hearing is her from our Zoom audio. So it's not the best, but you can still totally hear her and take away so much value from this episode. But I just wanted to let you know that if you're new here, our episodes don't normally sound like this. So I just wanted to let you know. But either way, we're super excited you're here. And without further ado, let's shake it up with Maya Monell. Well, I was I was joking with with Lisa, so I was listening to um, some of the episodes you've been on, oh, sure. <laughs> and I was laughing because I was like, these people are so smart, and like their questions were so like analytical. And then my questions, literally, my first question was, so I buy a lot of clothes. How do I budget for that? <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be probably a little bit different of an experience for Maya than she's used to. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm no, honestly, it's probably, I'm hoping that you all are similar to our, our navigators who we call our customers. So I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I told Olivia. I was like, well, I, I not, we don't have a dumb audience, but they're like us and we're normal people in the world. Who's trying to navigate life. We don't, this was my first time hearing fintech yes and I was like okay so I think I can like put those two together but I have no idea what this space would include or mean so um I'm really excited to get like practical advice from you I'm super excited to give it then I um like you guys have probably heard sometimes I have to like deal with really stuffy questions about the industry at large (laughs) really Yeah, which are (laughs) important questions. But I think like one of the things you touched on that I thought was so good was that you were changing like the narrative or you were destigmatizing talking about money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important, especially for women, because I'm super open talking about money. I'm like, look at my bank account. Like, I don't really care. But I know that's not the same for a lot of people. So I think it's really cool that you're stepping into the space going, no, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Like, how does spending money make you feel like? That is such a good question. <laughs> good. I'm glad you think so. I mean, it's like the incubus for everything, right? I mean, it's it's like the foundation of how you then live your life. If you feel bad about something, then you're not going to go pursue being better at it, right? Like we kind of yeah. have that learning from school and, and take it and apply it into our own lives. So Totally. Yeah. Well, before we get all before we get into that, I would love to know just like a little bit about what you do and how you started Navit. Like what were kind of the building blocks into starting that? Yeah. So I do not come from financial services. My business partner, Erin, does not come from financial services. She's a behavioral scientist. Uh, and I oh, actually, So interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, she actually has um, a master's in public health. Um, so she was responsible for running huge accounts over in mainly Western Africa, focusing in on how to get kind of the most marginalized communities um, activated and integrated into the economy uh, and into better health services. So that was like her context. She moved home um, to Seattle and wanted to figure out a way to apply a same, a similar kind of behavior-based approach to finances because we know that in the U.S., 85% of the American workforce is burdened by financial stress, and that's inhibiting their productivity and their happiness at work, and it's leading to long-term like detrimental healthcare outcomes. Um, meanwhile, I was having a ball working in fitness technology. Um, so my background is in marketing and sales, uh, so like lump that into growth growth strategies, mainly for um, high growth tech startups. So I was a founding member of a company called Bridge Athletic in San Francisco at the time. And we were focused on how to basically build a better athlete and mitigate risk and injury. You're like Moneyball. You're like <laughs> yeah, Brad Pitt. It's, it's literally like Or Jonah Hill. <laughs> it's literally like Moneyball. Um, but it was really cool, like working through what we, the data that we were collecting over time we started to understand that qualitative metrics, so like readiness to perform, like sleep patterns, like how an athlete just like generally felt every day was a huge indicator of how they would perform and what risk factor they might kind of score, right? What risk they might be um, to developing injury later on, right? If you come to work or if you're just like living your life and you're habitually stressed or habitually under, you know, underperforming because of all these worries in your life, you're more prone to things like physical injury, right? 
Um, so that was really fun. So we got to dive into that. And one of the kind of core findings was around this like habitual financial stress that most athletes actually really have to deal with because not everybody's LeBron James, Serena Williams, like not everybody hits it big and therefore gets millions and millions of dollars in brand uh, sponsorships every year. So we started to work mainly with female athletes. We started to really like look at that at the same time we had scaled the business they're still thriving today. I was getting a little bit bored <laughs> and I met my now business partner, Aaron, um, who was kind of considering again, like behavior-based strategies to improving financial health. Um, and basically wanting to create kind of like an automated financial coach for, um, for anybody everywhere. Right. So as to say like, okay, we all have our own kind of financial outlooks, right? Like you can look at any of any of our three accounts and we're all going to look a little bit different, but how can you then take that information and coach a singular user down a better financial health kind of experience? It's a lot like fitness, right? You come into a fitness app and you say, I want to train X amount of days per week. I want to hit these kinds of goals and milestones. I have pre-existing conditions. So I can't do X, Y, and Z. And then the program spits out, you know, like a, a, a fitness program. We're trying to do the same thing with finance. Okay. So can you break down or explain the process of what, what like getting onto the app or, um, because are you put in contact like with the coach? Yeah. So you are, so you download the app, like I assume most of your listeners have Venmo or some kind of component similar to Venmo. So you download the app um, where we're a little bit different to maybe some other like budgeting apps in the space is we're really trying to get to understand how you like what your financial habits are today. So how you like to spend your money, how you like to save your money, if you save your money, how you like to invest your money and grow your wealth, what your income sources are, right? We're trying to understand kind of that foundation. And then also what drives you, like, what are your long-term goals? Do you think like the future is, you know, are you enthusiastic about your future? Are you frightened, right? Like what are these kinds of behavioral components that are influencing how you do these things with your money? Um, you connect your accounts similar to Venmo. So we use Plaid. It's a third party kind of aggregator. Um, so you like type in, you know, username and password to your kind of primary financial accounts. And then once you're in the app, you see all those things in one place. We automatically um, categorize your budgets. We help you create goal-based savings. So you can automatically stash cash away for an upcoming vacation or a down payment on a home or, you know, a child summer camp or whatever it is. Um, and then you're connected into a coach. So you get kind of these nudges and these roadmaps, kind of like Duolingo, where it's like you come in, you like it understands, it assesses your level, and then it tells you where to go. We do something similar with finance. And then we have the added layer of actually accessing an accredited financial coach for some of those things that like answers or some of those questions that you really want answers to. Yeah, that's I mean, it's really nice to have an app like that, because like you said, there's a lot of budgeting apps that I've downloaded and I always end up deleting them because they're not interactive and I don't feel like they help me and I feel like I have to do all the work and then I'm like, well, I'm just like going to do it my, by myself and it's fine. It works for a couple months and then after that, you're like, there's literally no motivator. No, right. None at all. And that's like, you yeah. know that that's the key to changing behaviors, right? Like you need peer to peer influence, you need nudges mm -hmm. and like daily interaction like you need these incremental habits to change long-term behavior right like you guys mm -hmm. read I feel like it's become the bible but have you read atomic habits I, I have it in my audible I haven't read it yet though and that's so funny because I just I wonder if it's I actually saw some quotes on the Navit um I was looking it's, through your guys's yeah. Instagram <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh I literally um I think I actually just posted something about it okay. and I put it on my wall and it said, I wrote down 1% is still progress. Yep. And it's like on my wall right now. Um, could, do you want to talk about the book a little bit? Because it sounds amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> I think, again, it is like the roadmap to understanding behavior change because, and I think more and more people now understand like ways to change behavior. Like in theory, we all know how to become healthier. We know that if we go to the gym a few times a week, we will be more physically fit than maybe we are today having not gone. We know that if we like 
eat more kale and less Dairy Queen, we will be healthy, like nutritionally better off, right? Theoretically. Theoretically. (laughs) I am a big fan of DQ. This is not (laughs) sponsored. Yeah. But, you know, like we understand these kinds of components. The interesting thing with finance is that we don't really have that preconceived concept. We kind of have this like diluted version of financial health equals quantity of income, right? Like, And that's yeah, not, totally. I mean, yes, everybody needs like a livable wage, but beyond mm-hmm. that, there's actually a whole bunch of different kind of incremental strategies or habits that you can form to improve your financial behavior and therefore improve your long-term financial outcomes. And so James Clear really lays that out in Atomic Habits of saying like literally one minute or 1% changes to your daily routine that um, lead up to a bigger goal will help you get to that goal 10 times, 20 times, 30 times faster than if you just like kind of put it, the goal out on a board and then never like actualize it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm probably doing him a huge disservice on, on that summary of the book, but it's effectively no. all about kind of daily incremental habits, help you achieve more and hit you and help you feel more Um, confident in your ability to overcome obstacles and achieve goals. Which I think is the key because one thing that really bothers me is when I listen to financial things, it's always rich people talking about it and they have like millions of dollars and they're talking about like investing in stocks and bonds and like things that are fine and important, but they're not talking to like the girl who just graduated college and she just got a job and she's making 40 grand a year and she has no savings and she wants to budget. Right. Like, what about that girl? What about that girl that doesn't even know what a 401k is? And it's really confusing when you hear really wealthy people talk about it because I'm like, well, I'm not the same as you in any way. So how do I know what the next steps are, you know? Completely. And I often, I mean, I hate to go there, but I often feel like it's also the really wealthy men that are like, this is how you need to budget and save money with 40k. And they're not, you know, they, they're, it's all kind of the language and the instruction is all predicated on like a scarcity mindset. So we talk a lot about well, it's that Dave too. Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. It's Dave Ramsey. Like, sorry. Sorry. sorry but it is. It's true. No, I yeah. throw him under the bus. <laughs> Live a sad, boring life and you'll be rich. Exactly. Like, Thanks, and I mean, how un- impractical is that when we know that women in our lifetime spend $500,000 plus more than men? you can't just take kind of this broad stroke approach to if you save as much as possible and just don't live a happy life, you'll one day have a million dollars in your 401k. And guess what? That's right. not even going to help you retire anymore. Like it, it's, it won't. It's yeah. Not. And then you, and then you die. And, and then you like, die. Cool. Right. I never did anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's a racket out there, but we're trying to do something about it. So I'm I'm curious for you coming from the fitness industry, mm-hmm. fitness tech industry, and then bringing in a financial tech and bringing those two together. What are the correlations that you've been seeing? I know I've heard you touch on chronic illness, mm-hmm. and I really want you to touch on that specifically. Yeah, it's super interesting. So 54%, I feel like your, your listeners needed like a disclaimer that this was going to get like a little bit nerdy this episode. But We <laughs> love we love nerdiness that we can comprehend. Yes, yes. Yes. So I think we're in the right space. Everybody yeah. can comprehend this. It's, yeah, everybody has to deal with their money. 54% of chronic stress is a result of financial stress. So the majority of chronic stress that we know impacts physical health down the road, like hypertension, like diabetes, like cardiac arrest, like all these huge burdens on the American workforce, let alone the world at large, um, is falling ill because of a lack of preventative care around their financial lives, right? So we come, we come at this approach kind of like fitness technology does, is saying that if we can help provide 
physical health outcomes and coaching protocols and like best practices for the majority of people everywhere. If we can make fitness accessible for everybody everywhere, we should help prevent those chronic illnesses for the majority of people down the road. So we are saying that hundred percent, I'm a fitness fanatic. Like I live in Idaho, I run up mountains. Like I definitely on that train, but that's one component, just like recognizing that you could run up a mountain every day, but if you come home and eat McDonald's every day, you know, is it like a net, it's maybe a net neutral, you're still probably a net right. negative. So you need to integrate a financially healthy kind of life cycle with those other health elements, right? So it's much more about like holistic health care. And frankly, like when I got into the space, I kind of have this, had this reckoning that like, it takes a lot of motivation to go to the gym a couple of times a week. It takes a lot of motivation to say no to the DQ, you know, ice cream, right? Like it takes a lot of motivation to do X, Y, and Z, but if you can save $3, $5, $10 a day, like, you know, that might be on the aggressive end. That might be the easiest health decision you make every single day. Right. So finding financial health might be like the easiest thing you can control for in your preventative health care routine. Uh, okay. I think I just connected those dots. Um, <laughs> see, well, the audience will get it. They'll probably get it faster than me. Um, okay. So what, I don't know if this is a bit, um, intense, but you know how people say like greed is the root of all evil mm-hmm. or like money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was interesting that you were sharing this statistic about what, what was it? 54, 54% of, um, chronic, chronic stress, chronic stress, chronic stress is led from, yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting because it seems completely like a different topic, but I think it's, um, linear is how, um, the leading cause of divorce is financial stress. And so, um, not to like bring it down to just one thing, but, um, money has so much to do with our everyday life. Mm And I think it's really interesting that you touch on these topics and it wasn't until I was reading about you and what you guys do, um, that I was realizing like, oh my gosh, I think a lot of my own stress and anxiety and even depression can come from the financial stress. It's not all of the workloads. It's uh, both of us are entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and the times that we've complained the most is probably about money, huh? Oh yeah. It's like um, it like brings you so much anxiety. It stresses you out. Mm -hmm. And the only things that probably like make me feel better is like taking care of myself mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm -hmm. Cause like the financial part, there's only so much you can do if you're like budgeting and saving as an entrepreneur. Um, so like making sure you're like mentally taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. is like so important in that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious for you talking to entrepreneurs, like you're starting a business and you already don't have that much money. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, um, tangible advice for like young entrepreneurs? Oh God, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) And all of the things. Um, I think I actually wrote a create and cultivate article on this. So like, I'll share it with y'all. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll send it to our audience. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I wrote it a while ago, but I think it's still pretty relevant. Um, there are so many things. I, you know, I, we often relate budgeting to dieting. And, you know, it's like that really dirty word that like nobody wants to have to do or to talk about. But like, theoretically, everybody does live within like a, con, you know, their own kind of confines of a diet, right? It's kind of the same thing, right? Like, creating a budget doesn't have to be scary or stress inducing, but it is actually really helpful, but it shouldn't be restrictive, right? So like, especially if you're a young entrepreneur, say you are bootstrapping your business, right? Like you're kind of self-funding your business until, you know, you start to really drive revenue. You were unfortunately going to have to 
be on the stricter end of setting a budget because you want to make sure that you can effectively fund your business whilst funding your life, right? Like you can't not pay rent or not pay your high interest credit card bill one month because you need to fund your business. Like you want to make sure that you have an established set of savings and a set amount of savings, I think in place before you go out and really start to bootstrap that business. Um, because if you are in a position where you're asking yourself, do I fund my business or do I pay off my credit card this month? And if you decide to choose the former, like you decide to fund your business and like power to you or clearly get it. <laughs> I was a self-funded entrepreneur for a time. Um, you run the risk of putting yourself and your family in pretty significant debt pretty quickly because that's how high interest credit card yeah. debt works. <laughs> that's what That's what I did. So okay, so you got it. <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't fun. You get yourself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, really but sometimes don't. you have to like make these choices, and you know, there's no easy way to do it. I mean, my entire twenties, I have, I've, I'm just now this year, I'm 29, started making money that I'm putting away because all of my twenties have just been going towards my businesses. Mm-hmm. So I would download budgeting apps, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what are you talking? About? I don't even make money. <laughs> like I have nothing to budget, right, you know. Right. So it's really hard to look at people putting so much away in savings, and by the time they're 30, they have fifty thousand dollars in savings. And I'm like, okay, that's not my life. Mm-hmm. But you can budget with a small amount of money, and I think that's where I didn't connect that when I was younger. Yeah, and you know, I think that there's also so many different ways for people to make supplemental income now. So. I get it. Your business is your labor of love. Like Navit is my first child. Navit might be my only child at this point. Like who has time for anything else? Um, (laughs) But I think that it's really, really important to like sit down with your finances, sit down with a financial coach if you can access one and really start to understand, okay, what are the hard decisions that I'm going to have to try and make? And Uh, If you live and breathe entrepreneurship, like, you know, you have to go start your business. That's amazing. But it's not always sometimes about like saving more or budgeting or restricting yourself. Sometimes if you can carve out the time, maybe it's budgeting your time better, right? Maybe you can take on a contract gig like Fiverr is awesome. And all of those other contracting platforms are awesome. You know, maybe you can do like a virtual assistant thing or like something that you're really well skilled in that won't take a lot of time. And that can, you can earn, you know, 800 to a grand more in a month. Like that could be instrumental right? To totally. the success of your business and your like long-term mental, emotional and physical stress, right? And health yeah. Outcomes. yeah. That's what I had to start doing was taking on more freelancing jobs I didn't necessarily want to do. Yeah. But because I, I, I think I'm your probably worst client, but I quit my job with no savings or backing or anything coming in. And I was, you know, that was a moment for me. But then I realized I had to start picking up jobs. Maybe I didn't want to do, but they were, I wanted to do those more than I wanted to do the job that I was at. So right. I think it's just weighing those things out. Have, have you read the book Profit First? No. Oh, you should you should read it. That's I actually haven't finished it. Um, That's how me and my boyfriend. That's how we form our finances. But he breaks down. Honestly, I shouldn't even go into it because I'm going to ruin it. But he basically breaks down percentages per how much you make. So every time I get a deposit for something, I split it. I have like six savings accounts in my one account. Mm -hmm. And then it goes down the line of like your profit should be for something fun. This should go to this. And I think that was really helpful to see that in percentages. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, as a self-employed person, you see your money go into one account and you're like taxes, retirement. I don't understand. And then it just stays there and then tax season comes in. You're screwed. <laughs> I think percentages are a really great way to frame it, um, especially because, you know, the ideal is that your business is thriving or you're making more and more money every year in whatever context yeah. that makes sense to you. Um, but you shouldn't, you know, I've seen a lot of people topple like too heavily into investing too quickly, for example, and then like lose yes. 5K on Robinhood one day, right? Like, so yes. I think um, we can all also have like, um, misalignment with where we are right on our balance sheet and where we are in our careers and where we want to go and if you're as impatient like me 
you know, you want to jump like eight steps ahead when really you should be focusing on those percentages, focusing on like what percentage makes sense for you to save, what percentage does make sense for you to invest in the markets, what percentage X, Y, and Z, like other, you know, variable uh, expenses that you might have within a given month, like, and scale that way. Right. And I, again, I think it's such a cool time that we live in where we kind of all have access to supplemental income. Like that wasn't really the case a generation ago, right. Because of the gig economy. Um, so I think it's a, it's an exciting time to, to again, budget your time more effectively. Totally. Um, is that the same advice you would give to someone who has found themselves in debt? So if we're talking to someone who's like, I didn't make the right choices, like I wanted to like, different from you, but like live out my 20s and like, just go to concerts and festivals and go to the bars all the time and party and like live my life. And then you school down on top of that. Like, honestly, the average like person in their 20s in America Um, what would you say is like the first piece of advice that you would give them someone who's like, okay, like I'm at the point where I need to be an adult and like be financially smart. (laughs) Yes. Um, we never, I am, I still don't want to be an adult, but (laughs) I think I I have to be this point. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think that one of the best pieces of advice, anybody, but certainly people that find themselves in debt, even if it's like, I kind of hate these categorizations, but like good debt versus bad debt, right? Like high credit card debt, bad debt, student debt, theoretically good debt, um, whatever your situation might be. I think it's really important to, again, figure out a strategy and like habits. So back to habits, right? Like thinking about, okay, you have to hit this repayment goal you make this much money, you want to set this much away in savings for, you know, God forbid, an emergency. And then you also want to set up a savings goal for the holiday that you rightfully deserve and want to go take with your, you name it, significant other, family, whatever, in the next year. I think you need to really like sit with yourself again, hopefully sit with a coach and start to outline, okay, like what can I um, theoretically pay off? And again, not in a restrictive way, in a way of saying, okay, if I need to pay off $2,000 a month and I can only currently with my income and hitting all these other goals, pay off 1500 of that, where can I find an additional $500 a month? Right. Um, I think the best strategies are still for debt repayment, especially like high interest credit card debt repayment um, or, you know, the snowball versus the avalanche where it's like you chip away at one credit card. There's so many different Uh, fintechs now that focus on debt repayments specifically for the Z's and the millennials. Like there's so many options to kind of roll up different debt um, and put them onto a, you know, a no interest credit card um, or debt repayment plan that I think that it's definitely worth like sitting down on a Sunday and combing through Google to see what options are out there. Um, And again, download Navin and ask a coach (laughs) as well. Yeah. Well, I must be the poster child for this because that's what I did. I had so many credit cards I couldn't pay off. So I did. It was like a counseling program yeah. and they did it all. You know, they charged a little bit monthly. Yeah, it was the best decision I ever made because they were like, OK, this is your payment every month. And I'm like, I can do that. And then they took care of the rest. And, you know, I was able to pay it all off in five years as opposed to it probably would have taken me 20 years because of how they set it up. And so I think it can be really overwhelming for young people like we look at people like, why would you get into that much debt? It's like, we don't learn don't this stuff. Time. Yes, of course, some people make bad choices, right. but we're learning astronomy in school for some unknown reason, unless you like want to be an astronomer. But we're not, <laughs> but we're not learning basic things like, hey, just so you know, if you go to a school that's $40,000 a year, this is how long it's going to take you to pay it yep. off. Because for me, I just went to college because I'm like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. And then I went for, you know, a year and a half. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and I dropped out. And luckily I did because I would have been I almost $90,000 in debt by the time I got out. And so I think it, it is really, I think people they beat themselves up without understanding if you don't have parents who were good with their money that taught you. And if you are in a, like some sort of class that teaches you about interest rates and credit cards, it's not, it is your fault. There is still responsibility, but it's not 
all your fault. And I'm I'm happy that there are people talking about it and there's an app that people can go to to learn about this stuff because it gets so overwhelming and depressing and then you have chronic stress forever. <laughs> and and I feel like that's the norm um between so many people in their 20s as well. Like I I learned from my parents. My mom was like, "Okay, let's open you a debit card when I turned 18." Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, why don't I open a debit card or a credit card and start building credit? credit? She was like, because you're not. (laughs) She's like, you're not you. You (laughs) think you're going to build credit. She was like, and I didn't know what a credit card was. I just knew like build credit, like start at a young age. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that marketing for that is to gouge you of all of your money so yeah. that they can take as much of a percentage from you. Cause that's what I saw happen to my own friends mm-hmm. who didn't know how to manage their money and weren't told like the things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say like debt is a big no, no, and no one should have debt. Or do you think that there is like reasonable debt I've never actually heard of like a good debt versus bad debt I just have heard of like what's norm and then what's like you shouldn't have done that like home having a home debt having as opposed to like a credit card right yeah um I again I mean I think so long as you can pay off it's I mean technically a credit card is debt right like you're floating alone every single month to pay for your lifestyle the question is, can you pay off that balance in full every single month or not, right? Um, this is also how the wealthy continue to get wealthier. Like, if you really dive into, like, financial strategies for the ultra high net worth or even high net worth individuals, like, they have mortgages too. I can't remember. I think I saw this recently. I think it was, like, a Dell. I think it was Adele. It was, you know, I'm like, I don't think it was on People, but it was on some magazine cover. It's like, you know, Adele has a mortgage too kind of a thing, right? Because like, why <laughs> would you ever, if you had the opportunity, why would you ever pay an upfront cost in cash yeah. when you could get a ridiculously low interest loan, mm-hmm. ensure that you can pay that off every single month and it continue to invest the majority of that capital and liquidity in the markets and alternatives and all of these other wealth creating vehicles, right? So I don't think... Again, I'm not a financial advisor with a Series 7, so I'm not giving people advice. <laughs> I would say that debt is something to be wary of, but not something to be scared of so long as you understand it, right? It's like mm. the monster under the bed. Like we were scared of the monster on, under the bed before we understood that monsters don't exist. If you understand what debt is and you understand how people get into serious crushing debt, then hopefully you're going to be less likely to fall victim of predatory lending practices and credit practices um, because you've become more capable and confident in overcoming or addressing those obstacles. Yeah. So for the person, most likely girl, who's listening, Mm -hmm. and let's say she makes 40 grand a year, Mm -hmm. But she has no savings. Mm -hmm. She's stressed out. And she knows she spends money on things she probably shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't budget either way because she's terrified. I'm just like talking about me. She has black hair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She has freckles. She has a podcast. (laughs) Um, But for the person who really is just stressed out and they really don't know where to start, what is like the first three steps that you would say you can do this actually right now while you're listening to this? Well, I feel like I keep plugging it. You can download Navit. Download the Navit app. Okay, that's step one. Okay, step two. (laughs) But the point is, whatever you download or whatever you do, you can literally make that first habit right now. Literally right now. Um, I would say getting an understanding of where your money is going every single month. So whether or not you're doing that Navit out of the gate or literally you're sitting down with yourself Actually, I want to back up. First, I want them to say everybody in the world manages their money. Some people do it better than others. But because you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a little bit smarter than the majority of the world 
and have more access like than the majority like of the world. <laughs> yeah, like you have people to reach out to, you have like an understanding of that you want to improve some aspect of your life, finances, if you're listening to this episode, maybe. So I think the first thing is to like set an intention and a recognition that even if you're super financially stressed now, you will get out of it if you make moves if you make, you know, money moves, if you make uh, better financial decisions incrementally over time and every single person on the planet can do that. Like that is, you don't need a college degree to do that. You don't need a high school degree to do that. So much of it is about habits. Yeah. Yeah. I like our seasons where me and my husband did really good with putting money away. And like, we had no money. We were surprised by how much money we could save just by the little habits that we did incur. And then we would go through like a really good season or like before this, they were pretty much in a recession um, and inflation and all of that. Um, Like feeling like really good about your money. And then when times change, it's like, where's our money going all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. And yeah, there were like things outside of our control, like inflation and everything like that, that were issues. But we just realized that we have to change our habits again. And so um, I've just been realizing that it's come down to like even seasonal things, like things just happen and you have to like, it, it does come down to that book, even though I don't know that much about that book. Mm-hmm. Um, that book, that book, habits. Um, it makes so much sense though, yeah. because it comes down to the little tweaking every single day. Mm-hmm. So like ever since starting businesses, mm-hmm. just the little things that you have to do to start saving more money so that you can give it to your business. Yeah. Um, it's not going towards vacation anymore, but exactly. And I want to, I mean, I, you know, the three things that we always say, right. So like setting an intention, we set the intention. Yeah. You're going to be better with your money if you figure, you know, if you start to really invest in kind of financial literacy, really invest your time in understanding and unpacking your finances. So it's definitely attention. And then it's like commitment to changing behavior. The first place you have to start is either through a fintech, you know, you you could do it kind of, you know print out all of your latest bills. Like you could do analog style. You have to have awareness of where you're spending, (laughs) awareness of where you're spending money and what you have coming up, say within the next 12 months that you need to plan for, right? A budget is just a plan. So we're just making a plan. Like women are fabulous at making plans. So just make a plan. Um, And then the third thing I think that's really important is actually like start to have conversations about this whether or not it be with, you know, safe peers to have a conversation with a safe partner to have a conversation with about your money periodically. Um, Like you were just saying, right. You and your husband, like set the tone to have a joint conversation about what you're doing with your finances so that you guys can improve, improve upon it over time. Um, But I think, you know, when we talk about our goals, when we talk about kind of the opportunities that we want to achieve ahead, we're far more likely to actually achieve those goals when you actually communicate them. Um, You're also far less likely to find yourself in um, kind of poor financial decision-making when you talk to somebody that's hopefully, you know, maybe a little bit more kind of knowledgeable about that topic than you are, right? Um, So it doesn't always have to be a financial coach. It can be maybe a trusted parent. It can be a trusted friend, you know, but I'll share my, my contact at the, at the end of the episode, I'm sure. But like, it's somebody that you can look to. There are a ton of really bad financial creators online, but there are also a ton of really great ones. Um, you know, it's never been easier to find good quality financial answers to your top questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were saying that on the app, you have access to peer review right so if you're like swiping saying that you don't feel great about that purchase and you keep doing that over and over someone will reach out and be like hey yeah so why do you keep going dairy queen (laughs) five five days last week are you okay so aaron felt really calm uh really strongly and rightfully so about building in a community feed feature because she we know like from behavioral science standpoints we know that when you have peer-to-peer interaction and influence you're far more likely to achieve your goals So we have a community feed and you can just go in and see like, oh, anonymous, you know, they're all anonymous usernames, but like, you know, um, you know, 
money moves one, two, three, who lives (laughs) in Ohio, spent 500 bucks on groceries last month. And then you can check yours. So it's a lot about like peer comparisons, which we actually find are really valuable in grounding and behavior change. Because you, you know, so many of us think that we're like horrible with our money. I feel like I report horrible, horribly high levels of financial stress every day, which I probably shouldn't, right? Because I know what I'm doing and I have a good strategy. But it's just like this kind of deeply rooted fear we all have of like abandonment and, you know, basically living out on the street one day. And so I think that when you see other people that look similar to you and are making the similar like moves. It's kind of like Strava's success, right? When you're starting to do similar things as a community, you're more likely to achieve those goals. So that's what we have on the app. I I wonder if um, that would, uh, it would be kind of funny if everyone was like spending a ton of money on like Starbucks, if you could see everyone's Starbucks orders <laughs> and how much money everyone's spending, but they're actually just encouraging each other to still spend money. <laughs> they're like, no, that's okay. It doesn't count. It doesn't count towards the budgeting. And, and I know that's like so silly, but it, that's like, um, that's kind of a joke amongst like Gen Z and millennials is like, that doesn't count. Can you kind of talk about how crazy the norm? I don't know. I mean, I know you're not a researcher, but I'm sure that you've been able to see differences Mm -hmm. in spending in the last like 10 to 15 years alone, Mm -hmm. but how crazy the normalization of like eating out and like Like nails. When I see people who don't make a lot of money have fake nails and eyelashes, that's like 200 bucks a month. Like I added that. me. <laughs> I know. I'm like, why? Like you're not saving, but then it puts me in my place. I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess I don't need, cause I can spend when I'm not thinking about it, spending money on coffee every so often yeah. too. Like, okay. You know what? that puts me in my place as well. But can you just touch on that a little bit? I mean, I think that there's just, we've never lived in um, a time when it's been easier to make any purchase at any moment in time, right? Like we're all attached to our phones. We all have Apple Pay. We can click a button and download whatever we want from Amazon without having to input you know, anything anymore. Like it's just never been easier to subscribe, to purchase, to do anything that you want. And also I would say buy, and also to buy now, pay later. Buy now, pay later is a huge culprit of that is my kryptonite. I'm like four payments sounds better than one. (laughs) And that's so funny because that's one thing that I have not, it, it doesn't make me any better, but I'm like scared of the pay later I'm like I I'm not I, I'm not I feel great about it everyone <laughs> everyone's like you should be scared I'm like oh no it's fine should we talk about the clothing sale and how many clothes <laughs> this episode is just like calling me it's like a spotlight on me it's calling, it's calling, each other. It's calling <laughs> ourselves out and we are the norm that's the thing you're the yeah. norm like all of my friends who have debt like that's what it is mm-hmm. um and I think the only reason I didn't have debt is because my mom wouldn't let me get a credit card and she paid for everything thanks Thanks, mom Mom. I do appreciate her a lot (laughs) which you know I will say really quick not not saying that going into debt and doing those things has helped me but it has really shown me in my 20s like okay you got yourself into this sticky situation Olivia what are you going to do to get yourself out of it like okay I'm going to sell clothes on marketplace to like make it happen or hey I'm going to stop doing this and like I'm paying off the debt and that was one thing before I got married I told my boyfriend I said I don't want you to take any of my debt this is my responsibility I want to do this because I got myself into this so I do think that's one thing where especially as a self-employed person being like scrappy yeah, you're kind of like, okay, dang, like I made money this month and like that sucks for me that now it's going to that thing I shouldn't have bought, but like I made that money and like, okay, I'm going to do better next month, yeah. you know? I think the only thing with buy now, pay later that's really predatory is that some people 
buy a lot of things and then they forget what their total yes. expense, like variable expense bill exactly. will be and then they can't pay it, right? Like so that's, that's like a grand. back to like the difference in spending ratios from like now and 15, 20 years ago, that's key. But you know, I think also, I mean, the majority of your, your listeners, you said are women, right? So I think um, there's also a really interesting fact and maybe speaking back to your mom who didn't let you get a credit card, our mothers, because we're in the same generation, our mothers didn't have access to credit until they were our age sitting here right now. And I think that this is also a really interesting, that can go really well for the next generation like us, right? Because we've been instilled like really um, important values about how we spend, save and earn, or it could have gone really poorly because it meant that maybe only one parent was managing the money and that was the parent that we didn't look most like. And we didn't, you know, have that kind of relationship with. And so what then happens is we get into a cycle, right, of like economic inequality where women aren't managing their finances to the same levels and the same kind of at the same degree in wealth generation that our male counterparts counterpart, uh, are. And then we get into these other relationships and we continue to take the back seat that our mothers did. The difference being that we now have financial control, like in terms of X access, but we might be, we might not like recognize that in those kinds of partnerships. I mean, one in four women in the U.S. are victims of financial abuse. Like, it is a very real issue if you don't manage your money correctly and you don't also realize the like responsibility you as a woman have on managing your own money. You know, it kind of continues to perpetuate the cycle of female, you know, inequality in this country. Mm-hmm. I have a stupid question. What's financial abuse? No. Is that, is no, that abusing your finances inappropriately? Or not something? a stupid question. So financial abuse, and I actually misspoke, so I'm glad we're doing this. Um, one in four women are victims of intimate partner violence. So um, intimate partner violence, your partner in whatever your relationship is, um, is abusing you. You're a victim in some way. 90% of those women are victims of financial abuse. Financial abuse is anytime um, somebody uses your finances against you. Uh, so yeah. it's like taking out a credit card in your name and then destroying your credit score, oh, right? Like gosh, yeah. withholding fi- the daily, you know, finances from you, m- ensuring that you don't go to work and contribute to the household income, right. and therefore don't have any decisions. That. <laughs> Yeah, that happens. I've seen that a lot. I mean, well, I mean, I see it a lot on like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where they don't even know the bank they use. They just know their credit card and then they get into a situation where they're getting divorced and they don't even know where to go to get like their money or even if they have money. And that to me is just I would never not want control in that way because also like what if your spouse dies and then you're in charge oh, of screwed. all of your finances. I'm so screwed. And I, if I have to do anything money-wise, well, it, and that's kind of the funny thing, like, and I joke with my husband, like, he's really bad at saving. And I'm just really bad at saving because I don't know where our finances go. And I feel like he has control over all of it because, like, he deals with bills and everything. But I realized... we've both come to the realization the last six months we're like oh like we both really need to be aware of where Mm -hmm. it's all going because if we're both keeping each other accountable so like he just went on a trip Mm -hmm. and um it was super last minute and I had to like hold him accountable I'm like so you know you can't eat out like you need to go to Trader Joe's right when you get there Mm -hmm. and like stock up on food he's only going to be there for two days Mm -hmm. and like free place to stay free flight Mm -hmm all of that stuff. And I'm like, so you have to pretty much make sure you're not spending any more money than you would be if you were here. Mm -hmm. But, and I think that that could be the culprit. Like I hear that so often, you know, it's usually, I guess not so much now. I don't know percentages. It's usually the man who takes care Mm -hmm. of the money from what I know. And that is so dangerous. Completely. Everyone should know where the money is going regardless of. Yeah. I've heard that a lot with like moms, like stay at home moms Mm -hmm. where they've never had a job and then something will happen where their husbands will leave them and then they actually are stuck and they don't have anywhere to go. And they took care of the kids the whole time. Like you're just as much um, part of the money. money. A contributor to the household. Yeah. Contributor. Yeah. And I think that there's, um, 
you know, this whole other really dark, and I did not mean to take us into a dark hole, but I think it's really no, important no, for people please. to know, no, this is and so really important, important yeah. for women to know, especially like, you know, God forbid your spouse does die. And not only was he managing everything, and now you have that whole, like, you know, crash course in finances, but he could also leave you in debt. And if you weren't not only, if you were not aware of that, but also you haven't been in the work, like you, you, you know, you've been out of the workforce for a really long time. He didn't have life insurance. Like that debt now falls on to you and you need to figure out how to pay it off. Yep. And no, this is like that's real stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Like, these are things that actually happen. And I think these are really important things that should be talked about that people don't talk about enough. No. Like we shouldn't be scared of these topics. No. Yeah. And they're, they're controllable scenarios, right? Like every, we've all heard them before. We all know how to control for them. And I think especially back to that like community piece of like, talk to your friends about it, right? Like certainly talk to your spouses or your significant others, but also talk to your friends about it. Because again, one in four women are victims of intimate partner violence. Like if you get 10 of us into a room, like I feel like we kind of, as women have a duty and a responsibility to ensure that all of us are in safe environments with economic opportunity and equality. And if you have these, start to have these conversations with your friends, hopefully you'll be able to help them too, especially if they're in a situation where you didn't know they needed help. Yeah, man, so many, I feel like I could ask you so many more questions. Um, I just have one more question before our silver lining. And that is, what is one habit that everybody can do every day? And I don't know if that's like check your bank account every day, yeah, which sounds stressful. I want, bar- I want to barf. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, like what is one small thing that somebody can do every day to just make sure like things are keeping in check? And maybe even if it's just like a mental thing. Totally. Mental thing is super easy. Check in with yourself once a day. Um, some people say do this in the morning, but I actually think you should do this at night because like you've gone through the day um, mm-hmm. of asking yourself how financially stressed am I today? Like scale of one to 10. You can write it down. We have this in the app, but you can, you know, just note it and then ask yourself why. And it can't, the why can't just be money, right? Because you're already asking yourself, are you financially stressed? So you're already saying, yes, there's something about money. But if you can pick apart the why, you can say, because I overspent on this thing that I knew I shouldn't have, but I felt like I had no control over it. Or because... I was listening to the news today and they said something about inflation and like, I don't really understand inflation, right? Or because, you know, X, Y, or I heard this horrible story about this woman whose spouse died and like, she doesn't have any control over her finances, right? I think picking apart the why is really helpful because then in day two, you should do what you just did in day one. But my second piece of advice is to always find one thing about money you don't understand every single day and just Google it. Mm, that's, oh, that's really, really good. Oh, I like that. Like it can be as easy as possible. Okay. Like literally go to CNBC <laughs> News, find one word on like the homepage that you don't know and Google it. <laughs> mm, that's really good. We need to do that. How us. to do taxes. What are taxes? <laughs> what, are taxes? <laughs> what does the IRS really do? <laughs> can I really be afraid? <laughs> Yeah. Will yeah. they actually come to your house? <laughs> the IRS just showed up. What should I do? <laughs> Gosh, I bet people have Googled that. Oh, That's I'm sure. So sad. I bet that is I'm sure a lot of people have Googled that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, we always like to ask our guests what their silver lining is. So something good that came from something bad or challenging in any time frame. Does something come to mind for you? Ooh, yeah. Um, like everything, every single day, I feel like. Comes yeah. To mind. <laughs> This is the life of an entrepreneur. Um, But I would say, I mean, you know, like probably the most catalytic is making this decision to jump ship and join Aaron. Um, I was not in a great place emotionally at my job at Bridge. I think I I was doing a great job. Um, But I was in, I had like this recognition that I wasn't, I didn't really feel like I was helping people. And I kind of like got into a rut around that. Um, and it just made me like less and less effective and less and less happy. And that led me to basically spilling my guts to this executive coach whom I didn't know was an executive coach at the time on an airplane back home one day after a work event. 
And that executive coach connected me to Aaron because she was like, yeah, you do need to get out of the situation and I know who you should meet. Wow. So that is crazy. Well, happy that happened. Happy you sat next to them on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell everybody where we can find you. We can learn more about Navit app store. Totally. Um, You can go to any app store and just type in nav.it Navit like to navigate. Um, So that's probably the easiest place to download Um, navitmoney.com website. Let's Navit L-E-T-S-N-A-V-I-T is like all the social channels. Um, and you know, frankly, like I always give out my email for better or worse. Uh, but if you do yeah. have, you know, questions, you might find yourself in, you know, a situation of financial abuse, like please reach out to somebody, at, um, ask questions and get help. You can reach me at M-A-I-A Maya at navitmoney.com. Awesome. Well, I will put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank this was so informative. We'll have to have you back. Oh, again. There was so much time. more. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys, so much. Appreciate it. Well, Shakers, thank you so much for listening. We had a great time with Maya. I have just been wanting a financial expert on the show for so long to talk about all of the things that I'm thinking about or struggling with. And, you know, I get pretty vulnerable on this episode about where I've been with finances, where I'm at with finances. So just know just know that if you are in that same position or maybe you feel really confused, you are not alone in how you're feeling and there are options to get out of that space. And maybe if you are in a position where you feel really good about your finances, this still will empower you and give you more motivation to keep down that path. Like we have said, downloading Navit, it's so good and it's so helpful. It's one of the best budgeting apps I've ever downloaded. You can scroll down to the show notes below and you can go ahead and download it and you can also follow them on Instagram for a lot of helpful tips. So thank you so much for listening. We will shake it up with you guys next Tuesday. Well, Shakers, thanks for listening to today's show. We are so happy you took the time to listen. If you liked it, share it on your Instagram stories and tag us. We will make sure to send you a message. We love connecting with our audience and also love to see that you are listening to the show. It truly means the world. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps our show grow. You can also follow us at the Salt and Pepper Podcast on Instagram. Well, I think that's it. So we will shake it up with you next Tuesday. I'm all shook up.